All right, so if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians. We started last week, we started looking at the, the keys to a dynamic church, and, and we started looking at, at what makes up a dynamic church, because this is a great example in 1 Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica was, was an example of, of confidence in God, was an example, because here's the deal. God wants to be in our church. God wants to be in any church that's Bible-believing, but, but God wants to be in our church in a way that into where he moves in a way and does things that you cannot imagine. To where man wouldn't take credit for it, so people from the community could be able to look in and say, look at what God is doing. We know those guys aren't that smart. They can't think that stuff up. They can't make that stuff happen. That it's something that God is doing. This is what was happening in the church in Thessalonica. There was something going on. In fact, as they were turning the whole city upside down, there was something going on. The community was looking into the church and seeing what was going on in the church. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to walk together and we're going to look at this issue of the keys and what makes up a dynamic church and what makes up a dynamic church is to where they have confidence not confidence in flesh and we'll talk about that later and not confidence in their ability but where what makes up a dynamic church is to where they actually have confidence in 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 God and to where the leaders lead with great confidence in God and but the problem arises whether it's in ministry or whether it's in your inv- individual life. And we're going to talk about this issue where confidence comes from. But the problem arises in, in, in either lives of leaders or the lives of individuals. To where the fear of people is stronger. The fear of people are trying to be a people pleaser, are trying to get the approval of people and let me just tell you the fear of people in your life will wreck you trying to be a people pleaser trying to get the approval of someone that probably will never give you their approval will destroy you being a people pleaser will bring you to the point can bring a church to the point can bring individuals to the point to where they're no longer effective fact is, they're ineffective in life. And Paul begins talking about this confidence, this boldness, that what he says is boldness that we have in God. But the fear of people, and let me tell you, the fear of people trying to be a people pleaser, get the approval of others, can start out as early as childhood. When you were trying to get the approval of a mom or a dad, and they never gave you that. And you needed that. We all need that, right? And you never got it. And so you've lived the rest of your life trying to please people or just somehow trying to get approval to affirm you. So it may have come from childhood, it may be a weakness. It may be a weakness in your life. You know what? It may come out of some insecurities that you have in, in, in your life. It, it may come from just spiritual immaturity in your life. But I'm telling you that the fear of people will cause you to con- compromise the deep convictions that God has given you. And it can leave you paralyzed. You could get stuck in a prison of the fear of of people, our fear of the future, to where it can discourage you, it can depress you, it can disappoint you, 
regardless of your success, regardless of the press clippings. See, the problem with when we become people pleasers is we can lose all self-respect. Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, For God did not give us, watch this, the spirit of fear. Now, I'm telling you, I believe fear is a spirit. What the Bible says. God did not give us the spirit of fear. Listen, fear in your life. The spirit of fear in your life, the spirit of fear in my life will rise up and give you a horrible report of the future. Okay? It will give you a bad report of the future. I mean, have, have you ever experienced this? I have. Everything's going right in my life. The family's getting along great. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, your, your marriage relationship is, is, is good and tight and, and all that other stuff. The job is going well. There's, you're getting to do vacations. The finances are working out, that whole deal. And then fear can raise up, and you can wonder, when is the shoe going to drop? When is it going to go south? When is it going to, and you can begin living in fear. There's two types of people, right? People that see the glass, what, half empty, and people that see the glass half full. Now, here's what I've learned. People that see the glass half full or half empty, they live their life just trying to keep the glass from being empty. Live their life in fear. People that see the glass with confidence half full, They want to know how they can get it running over. Then the spirit of fear. Listen, every fear-based decision you and I will ever make will never end well. We're to make decisions totally different. So Paul is talking to Timothy. Paul is giving words to Timothy about how to lead as a pastor. And Paul says, Timothy, God didn't give you the, the spirit of fear, but of power Deutemis is the word that we call this, this series, which is where we get our word. It's a Greek word, but it's where we get our word dynamite. It's like God has given you this power, this, this dynamite power in your life that when you become a Christian, he comes into your life, he resides in you, and he gives you this power, which means this, to be capable of, to have everything you need to do what God has called you to do as he lives through you, and he, but of power and love and in self-control. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in 4.18, he says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, uns- the, for the things are seen are transient. In other words, we live in a temporary world. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul understood. Paul got it. The reason that he had this confidence, and listen, this isn't my word, and I don't want to take credit for it. Uh, Ed Young Jr., Uh, coined this term that believers do not have confidence. We have Godfidence. Confidence is not in flesh. Confidence is never found in flesh. It's never found in your ability. It's never found in your talent. It's never found in your gifts. It's never found in your bank account. It's never found in your, 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 your profession, in your success, the press clippings, what people are saying about you. No, the believer has this thing called con- a confidence that our boldness is found in, in God. But Paul said in Galatians that there was a time in his life that he says, if, if I was still trying to please people, 
I would not preach the gospel. In other words, there was a time in Paul's life, he was a people pleaser. He needed the applause of people. He needed the approval of people to, to affirm him and all of that other stuff. But you know what happened in Paul's life? Paul met Christ. And Paul says, if I was still pleasing people, I would not be following him. Listen, let me tell you something. The fear of people, pleasing people, will keep you to following, keep you from following God. It will lead you places, your critics will lead you to places where you do not want to go. Three things, simple things, simple statements that we need here this morning about understanding how do we become God-pleasers, how do we have Godfidence. Let's phrase it that way. So how do we have Godfidence? Now listen, all three of these are very, very simple. I mean, I'm not going to get any gold stars for an amazing outline or however the phrase was, but these are very simple. But let me tell you something. If you want Godfidence, you cannot get two out of three. You cannot get one out of three. To have Godfidence, every one of us needs, we need to go three for three. We need to understand all of these principles. These three principles, if we're going to live life to please God with, with Godfidence, and not worry about what everybody thinks because they will wreck your life. The first one is this. If you're going to have confidence in your life, you have to know God. That's what happened to Paul. Paul said, if I was still trying to please people, I'd live life the way that I'm living. But I met Christ. I met him. And I now have this deutemis. I have this power that rides and resides in, in, in me. And I have this different confidence in my life. Here's what he said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know. So he's, he, he's writing back to them. Remember, if you were with us last week, Paul went from Philippi to plant the church. We'll talk about that a little bit more. There was some, some problems that happened. There was some persecution that happened. They threw some of the associate pastors in jail. So they got Paul out before they killed him. And, and so he's, he's writing back to them, for you yourselves know, brothers. So Okay, so this is so important. He's writing to Christians. Okay? You just got to get that for the context. That our coming to you was not in vain. There were people, listen, there were people that were telling Paul, Paul, you starting this church, that was in vain. Fact is, in the Greek, that means empty. It means without substance. It means, it means void of any meaning. He said, Paul, you have actually wasted your time planning this church. You have been a waste here because that's what critics do, right? Critics will speak into your life and, and criticize you. And people were criticizing Paul. And they said, what you did here was in vain. It was worthless. You should have never done it, in other words. By, by, and then he goes, but though... We had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi. So here's what happened. Before Paul went and, and, and planted the church in Thessalonica, he was in Philippi. He planted a church there. He's preaching the gospel. Fact is, it says that Paul turned that city upside down. The city was never the same. But some city officials did not like what was taking place. So they took Paul. They beat him almost half to death. I mean, he almost died. They threw him in jail. Jail was different in their day than it is in our day. No cable TV for those guys. No soft cots. No restrooms. No medical services. Nothing. You just left there. And if you die, who cares? And that's where Paul wrote the book of Philippians, remember? About how to have joy in the midst or in spite of your, your circumstances. You can have joy regardless of the circumstances that you walk through. So they let Paul out of jail and they tell Paul this. They say, Paul, don't ever preach the gospel again. If you do, it's not going to be jail. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. 
So what does Paul do? He has confidence. He says, I'm going to go to Thessalonica. I'll start another church. Because I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And as you know, we had boldness in our God. Godfidence. Our confidence doesn't come from our our degrees, our pedigrees. If we were born on the right side, wrong side of the tracks, our education level, our success, to declare to you the gospel. Jesus who has always been God came to earth to offer us eternal life by dying for us and then watch this that boldness confidence critical statement in the midst of much conflict It is in the midst of conflict, it is in the midst of criticism, it is in the midst of pressure that we are tempted the most to please people rather than God. Whether it's pressure of a job, whether it's the pressure of a family, whether it's the pressure of an economy, whether it's the pressure of what people are saying around you, the greatest temptation that you and I will have of becoming people pleasers are when there's conflict all around us. See, so Paul leaves Thessalonica and here's some things, hurtful things they said about him. Now, criticism's hurtful, right? I mean, we all have to admit. I mean, criticism can be hurtful and it can be hurtful enough when it's someone you work with, someone that you don't even like hardly. You know, someone that tries to speak into your life. But when it's someone you love, when it's from your own church family, it's a whole other level, right? Paul had planted that church at the risk, at the threat of death. You know what they were saying about him? Unbelievable. He's a coward. It's one of the accusations. We're going to read his rebuttal. We're going to read what he says. But some of the things they said about him, and he's a coward. See, criticism is so harsh when people question your motives, right? I know why you do what you do. I know why you said what you said. Jeremiah says, we can't even figure out our own heart, <laughs> much less try to figure out someone else's. Sometimes we struggle figuring out our own motives. So they 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 told him they they accused him of being a coward. They 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 said he couldn't take the pressure when the conflict came. Uh, he 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 ran. They, they said he was greedy. They said he was like the philosophers of their day, the orators of their day that would just travel around and he was just greedy for money and it was all about the money. It wasn't about ministry. It wasn't about God. It wasn't about any of that. That he was just greedy. And some were even saying that he was he was like immoral. And some things were going on that hadn't come out. And the reason that he left, he had to leave before, before the news reported some things in his life. And the danger is this. 
is that if, if, if it is your goal to please people in your life, you will lose all self-respect. You'll be disappointed and you will be discouraged. Here's what you do. When you become a people pleaser, you allow the critics to control you. Because you start responding to their criticism. Because it, it just has this power in your life because, because what they say about you is more important to you or more significant to you than what God says about you. I mean, have you ever noticed that, that you can please some people one day and they're talking about how great you are at your profession or they're talking about what a great person you are or how awesome it is to meet you and they're saying all these great things and then the next day they don't even approve of you? Have you ever noticed that, that, that approval with people can ebb and flow in your life? I mean, you can win back-to-back -back Super Bowls and people use terms like you're a genius and you're brilliant and a mastermind and coach of coaches and already ready for the Hall of Fame and then not make the playoffs the next couple of years and they will fire you. Listen, people have short memories. Your critics, if you allow them to, man, I'm telling you, they will control you. There are some people, it doesn't matter how much you do. It's just never enough. There are some people that it... That they're just not going to give you their approval. And people... And people are hard to please, and people will tell you. Well... You can't please everybody. We understand that. You just have to please me. Because it's all about me. If you're a people pleaser, people that, hard, that are hard to please will lead you astray. I'm telling you, one of the dangers of being a people pleaser, they will lead you to places that you do not want to go. So is there like any biblical proof of that statement? Yeah. Remember Simon Peter? Simon Peter said, God, uh, Jesus, we'll die with you if we have to. At the crucifixion, remember, he, he warmed himself at the fire of his enemies. And he denied Christ. Why? People pleaser. He didn't want criticism. He didn't want to suffer. He didn't want to stand up against the opposition. And I'm telling you, people pleasers, when they get with the wrong crowd, will allow that crowd to speak into their life, to control them and take them to places where they do not want to go. That's why Proverbs says in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. That's why your friends are so important. That's why people that you hang out with are so critical in your life and my life. But the companion of fools doesn't end well. If you're a people pleaser, I'm going to tell you the people that you're trying to please, it will bring you anger because the day will come they will disappoint you. I mean, go ahead. Spend your whole life trying to please people. 
And you sooner or later will discover that they're just people and their approval doesn't really matter to you. The fact is, you will come to the point to where you'll say, I don't know why. I've been knocking myself out so hard to get the approval from someone that's not going to get... Listen, let me tell you something. If I'm telling you, if you haven't gotten their approval by now, you're not going to get it. And it's their problem, not yours. I learned this at, at my first, I'm not going to tell you how many I've gone back to, but my first high school reunion, that's 10. And I looked around at all the cool people, you know, like the cool table. And I'm like, why did I even care what they thought in high school? Why did I work so hard to try to get that group to think I'm cool? I mean, I'm looking at the table. I'm telling you, the day will come when the people that you're trying to please will disappoint you. That's why Paul says, my boldness, my, my confidence doesn't come from you. It comes from God. Even in the midst of conflict, The term that he used for conflict was a term that was used in an athletic contest or a sporting event that meant where the athlete had the ability, even in the midst of great struggle and great opposition, stayed focused on the goal. So if you're going to have confidence, you, you, you've got to know God. It just starts there. The second thing is, is you've got to know thyself. Now, that's not really King James... English, and I know we look at that and say, oh, you know, it's old school, it's King James. Actually, it goes back much further than that. The philosophers of their day, that was a famous quote of their day, that you have to know yourself, and you have to know thyself. And so here's what the Scripture says. Let's just read on. So Paul says, starting in verse 3, For our appeal does not spring from error, impurity, or any attempt to deceive. See, Paul knew who he was. If you do not know who you are, you will allow the critics in your life to define you. If you do not know who you are, when they criticize you, you will wonder if it's true. You will wonder if you're really like that. They will control you. They will destroy you. Paul understood that. And he attempted to deceive. But just as we have, have been, watch this, this is so cool. We have been approved by God. I know God approves. That's a bold statement. I know God has approved of me. And he has entrusted with the gospel. So we speak, watch this, because we have been approved by God, because we have confidence, because we know who we are, we know whose we are. Those two things are so critical. We speak what? Not to please man. I'm not in this for you. We speak not to please man, but to please God. Who what? God tests my heart. God knows who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the living God, holy and righteous. Most critics, two things for most critics. They don't know who they are, and they do not know they have been approved by God. And they wreak havoc trying to bring everybody else down. 
For we never came with words of flattery, as you know. No pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people. Stop right there. Paul was honest and he was real. There is a glory that comes from people. There is a glory that comes from being successful or or people saying things about you and all that other stuff. But let me tell you something. It comes at a high cost. I know too many people that have lived for the glory of people and ended their life discouraged and disappointed. Whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as, as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of our own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves. In other words, I did life with you guys. So Paul, Paul knew who he was. This is what I love about Paul's rebuttal or Paul's answer is he didn't get mean. He didn't question their motives. He didn't get down on their level. He said, let me just tell you who I am because you know what? I know thyself. I know whose I am and I know who I am. You're not going to define who I am because I know who I am. He says, I was courageous. Even with the threat of death, even what happened to me in Philippi, even with much conflict, as he said, I was a courageous because boldness, we had boldness in God. And he says, and you know what? Another thing, since we're talking about that, everything that I said was true. I know you said it was with mistake and all this other stuff, but everything I told you was true. And not only that, you go ahead, you can question my motives. My motives are pure. God is my witness. I know who I am. I mean... They were telling Paul, this is crazy. That's why critics, they will exaggerate. They will make stuff up. They will question motives because they feel like it's like a hammer. or gives them more weight into your life to control you. And they were saying this. They were saying Paul was like all the other orators of their day, philosophers of their day. Paul was preaching for money. He started the church for money. Paul's like, that's crazy. I left a lucrative career. He said, that's, that's so crazy. Not only that, Paul wasn't even taking a salary from this church. Just like a lot of new churches, church plants of our day, that a church plant in the early stages, they cannot afford the burden of having to rent facilities and pay all the financial obligations that they have and pay a staff. Paul understood that. So you know what Paul did? Paul went out and raised his support from some area churches. They were giving him support. Oh, and he worked bivocational at night. And they were accusing him. He's not even taking, he's like, check the books. He knew who he was. For you remember, verse 9, brothers, our labor and toil. We work, remember that? I work day and night so that I would not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. He understood. He spoke the truth. I mean, he says back in verse 8, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of, of God, but also our lives. In other words, I wasn't removed from you. We did life together. Remember that? We were in life groups together. We did church together. We did ministry together. You, you knew me. The orators of their day We're using gimmicks to try to draw a crowd. 
And Paul was saying, we don't use gimmicks to draw a crowd. We rely on the glory of God. Because when the glory of God falls, people come. When the glory of God falls in a church, God's up in heaven trying to get all his children there to be a part of it. 2 Timothy um, 4, 1 through 4 says, In the last days, people will give up the teaching of sound doctrine and gather around teachers that will satisfy their itching ears. Oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels so good. Oh, don't talk about sin. Don't talk about the blood. Don't talk about, oh, that feels so good. And they'll rely on gimmicks. And we're now at a part and a point in history. We no longer have to say in the latter days, we can say in our day. Because I'm telling you, there are churches in our day that are relying on gimmicks to draw a crowd. Two years ago at Easter service, they had a church in, in, in Texas that, that had this $2 million giveaway. And so if you would visit the church and fill out the connect card, you know, like we do here, and turn the connect card in the boxes, that after worship and after, after the service, that, that all hang out. And they gave away 32 cards. They gave away flat screen TVs. They gave, around, they gave away vacations. That's gimmicks. The world, a community can look in and say, that was a gimmick that got you to draw that crowd. A dynamic church relies on the glory of God. And depends on the glory of God to fall on a church to where people say, you know what, that couldn't have been a gimmick and that, those guys aren't even smart enough to draw a crowd like that. It has to be God. And Paul said, I was faithful to what God called me to do because my goal was not to please man. My goal was to please God and and Paul understood the gospel that is an entrusted to us. It is not to be changed. It is not to be so watered down that even a lost person would accept it and think it's good. But to where you preach the gospel as it really is. To where people come to him. If you're going to have Godfidence, you have to know God. You have to know thyself. And then you have to know that God approves of you. Most critics, they don't know that. That's the reason they're critics. They don't know they have God's approval. They don't know that they're really a daughter of God or that they're a son of God. And they're not a working to get his approval. They don't understand. They already got that. So how do you know you got the approval of God? How did Paul know that I am a person approved of God? Wait till you die? The Bible says you can know now. The Bible says you don't have to wait till then. That's why you have to know his word. And let me tell you something. If you're spending three minutes a day in the word and five hours watching TV, let me tell you what has a greater influence in your life. You have to know his word and what he says about you, that he's approved of you and you're a child and you're a, a son or a daughter and you're not, 
You're not working for his approval. You already got it. Another way that you can know is you just see fruit in your life. Can I tell you this? Another way that you know, and it's kind of harsh, but this is what Scripture teaches, is that you have critics. Jesus told his disciples, be very careful when all men speak well of you. Because you may just be like the false prophets that their fathers spoke of. Critics aren't a proof that you've missed it. Man, there's some of you, you've lived a lifetime trying to get someone's approval. You know what? They're never going to give it to you. You need to know. You're approved of the most high God that is above all. All through the Bible, God led people to this decision. And let me ask you, would you be willing to face your greatest fear if it meant you reached your greatest potential in Him. That's why Jimmy Evans says that in the promised land there was giants to ensure that only people of faith would go into the promised land. In my life, I've had to face some of my biggest fears. Still doing it. And you can know this morning that you're approved of God in Colossians. I just want to read this. We've been, we've been living in the book of Colossians. If you've been life journaling with us, you know this and you've read this. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, when I read Colossians, my heart just wants to beat out of my chest. He's talking about Jesus Christ, who was there in the beginning and who was there in Genesis 1 and all the way through. It says, for, for by him all things were created. Do you realize Jesus created all? He's always been God. It was all created by him. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers or authorities. And all things were created. Here we go again in case you didn't get it the first time. All things were created through him and for him. And he is what? He is before all things. He just did not come on the scene in Matthew. He is before all things. And he created all. And it says, and he still holds all things together. And then verse 27 out of, out of the same chapter to them, God chose to make known how great in the, the Gentiles are, the riches of glory of this mystery, 
What is that mystery? The mystery is the gospel that Jesus came down and he died for us for the forgiveness of our sin. It's a great mystery that we may not ever totally understand this side of heaven. He's talking about the deity of Christ. He's talking about the Trinity. And I know it's something that sometimes we have trouble understanding. And well-meaning people, and I've done it myself, says well, it's, like, it's like water. Water can be uh, a liquid and water can be a gas and water can be a solid. But it's not like that. It's deeper than that. And I'm good with God being a mystery. I'm totally, I I think he should be. And Paul is talking about who Jesus is, and then watch what he says. He says, which is, watch this, is how you know that you can be approved of him this side of heaven. It was the most favorite phrase that Paul used. Over 70-something times Paul uses his phrase. He says, watch this, he says, which is what? Is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all energy. Watch this. That he powerfully, deutemis, that he powerfully works in me. He says when you meet Christ, Christ comes inside of you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And it is Christ in you. It is not Jesus and you. The word is not and. It is not Jesus, you are my self-help program. Jesus, make me a better person. Jesus, take the wheel. It is none of that. The gospel is this. Sin did not make us bad, it made us dead. And dead people can't do anything. And when you accept him, a holy and a righteous God... He comes into your life, deutemis. And the gospel is this. And then he powerfully lives his life out through you. And you are approved by him. Some of you this morning, you need to accept him. And you need to ask him to come into your life. And you need to understand who he is. You will never have the confidence, Godfidence apart from him. You have to know him. You have to know who you are. And you have to know you're approved of him. Some of you this morning, you may be a believer. And you've been living your life to please everybody else. And you just need to mourn it and realize there are some people in my life I'll never get their approval. But I'm okay with that. Because I got his approval that is holy and righteous who test the hearts and I am approved by him.